Hello there, and thank you for tuning in. My name is Chris Hill, and I'm a contributor for Voice Magazine, an online space for young people interested in arts and culture. Today, I'll be interviewing David Torre about his recent project with BBC's new creatives, Noise. How's your day going today, David? Um, very well, thank you. Ah, great. It's lovely to be talking to you. Um, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is David Torre. I'm from Madrid. And I spent some years in Canada snowboarding and three years ago I moved to Bristol to study animation, which I recently graduated. And yeah, that's uh, that's about it. <laughs> Brilliant. Awesome. So um say you, you kind of you've you graduated into animation. What prompted you to go with this topic with your animation? For the film for noise. For noise, yeah. Well, I think I came up with an idea for a very short story, someone running across around the world, shutting down screens because they were making noise. And when I read the brief for the new creatives program, I thought that it would like work very well, although the original story changed completely to what the film came out to be. But... It was more something that I was experiencing at the moment, that uh, fatigue that it in your mind it almost creates a noise. It's like overload mm-hmm. of visuals and it's hard to describe. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so what were some of the technical challenges of producing it? Um, well, the... Timeline, the timing, timing schedule, like uh, deadlines and everything was pretty tight. Mm. And had to do quite a few revisions on the original story, the script and the animatic. And then I actually did have loads of problems with rendering and different mm. software versions and stuff not working. And yeah, so... Yeah, that was a bit of a nightmare, but I guess just learning. <laughs> how how many different revisions and versions did you think? You, how many did you think you went through before you got to the final product that we we saw? From the original story, at least three or four, and then the animatic, another, yeah, three or four. Which maybe mm-hmm. it's not that many, but it was in a very short amount, like period of time, so it felt like. I was just constantly rewriting the same thing over and over. It re- reminds me of conversations I've had with authors about the the endless kind of go overs of their their stories to create the 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 finished product. I guess it, it. I guess when it comes to animation, we we kind of see mainstream animation from you know DreamWorks and Disney, and we and we think, ah, oh, this must be you know their complete original vision and it's all turned out on screen exactly as they imagined in reality no of course it's not it's probably gone through a gajillion revisions to get it to what we see so it's it's interesting to hear a little bit mm-hmm. about what goes on behind the scenes in an animation like especially in the kind of creating the the story process so so um in layman's terms for people like me who haven't graduated in animation how, how did you go about creating and animating the piece did you start out with a storyboard and then apply the animation did you kind of noodle around the animation to create the story or uh no i started with the 
story and a quick character design and environment design mm -hmm. of just the room and just to define how I wanted it to look. And from then, once the, the story is agreed on, you start mm -hmm. animating. And then also another thing that I always consider when doing work like on my own, or well, this one I made it with my friend Paris that he did the... Mm -hmm modeling rigging and a few bits of the more the more technical stuff you always have to consider what you can actually do because mm. if i want you i don't know how to make hair for example like right, look, yeah. like realistic dreamworks style so mm. there's no one's gonna have hair it's gonna be black and white no thumbs no fingers <laughs> i guess in that way kind of um stylization comes from technical and kind of time limitations and all that kind of thing it's like if you had all the time in the world you could research how to do goodness knows what and add it to the animation but when you're in a very restricted time period i guess then the the style sort of emerges from the limits placed on your own time yeah yeah absolutely you don't wanna it's i don't know it's about keeping it a bit realistic going exploring a little bit i like to think about it 50 50 doing 50 percent of things that I don't know how to do and I'll figure it out and another 50% that is things that I know I can do so that's like my uh, yeah one foot that I'm on even ground and the other one exploring and trying to learn with every project that I do. On a sort of technical aspect um, what, what kind of software did you use? Uh, yeah uh, this one is was entirely made on Maya and then just mm -hmm. Uh, the like compositing and like post production on After Effects and Premiere Pro, but all the animation and like look development uh, was entirely done on Maya and rendered with Arnold mm. with the Toon Shader, which was my first time using and. Yeah, I think I like the way it came out. I like that uh, black and white style and loads of lines. Yeah, it was very striking. Um, was there a particular reason you went for that art style? Uh, yeah, I've always been very interested in op art, like optical art and optical illusions. Oh, okay, yeah. And also a fair bit on just uh, mm. motion design and... I wanted to have those little segments that are a bit more oriented towards that uh, mm. side of animation. Because I so, noticed the, the the Penrose triangles in the middle, so I take it that was a lot of the inspiration behind that sequence. Yeah, that uh, that one actually was pretty uh, quite a complex one to animate. <laughs> yeah, cause I imagine because I mean, how do you go about creating? what is fundamentally impossible geometry in a animation environment that is, you know, des designed to present you with geometry that could actually exist in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. That one, um, well, luckily with the internet, there's pretty much tutorials and resources to learn how to do anything. Mm. So like after a couple hours browsing online and trying different ways to approach it, um, yeah, made it work. 
Yeah, I've seen the kind of videos which describe, you know, how um, there's a rising trend of like non-Euclidean games where the geometry doesn't work how you imagine it would. And yeah. I, I, I guess that's kind of falls within that bracket then. Yeah. So um, let's let's talk about some of the thematic elements of noise. So I think it's fair to say that there, there tend to be kind of themes of isolation and kind of isolation kind of imposed on you by technology. Um, do you think that? kind of changes meaning with the situation that we're in at the minute with coronavirus? Yeah, it's definitely a, um interesting topic that gives for a lot of thinking and conversation because the way I look at it is one way we are lucky to be experiencing this um, like global pandemic and this situation having this technology that we can all still like connect it. Mm. Yeah, but communicate. The, yeah, exactly. But at the same time, it comes to show how screens can't replace people, like actual interactions. You can't just turn the entire world into online because it just doesn't work. And there seems to be a kind of idea of um, technology kind of holding a sort of you know despotic rule over people's consciousness as well um while they're you know kind of being as in kind of held hostage by the technology mentally at least um what, what kind of drew you towards that as a as an idea you wanted to address in your film i think it's it comes maybe from um realizing how i don't know you've got your phone or your laptop and all the news, all, everything comes through that in some way. Like you might have, I don't know, uh, work emails and then friends email, like sending you messages, your mom, your girlfriend, and everything just comes through the same device. There's no... Mm. And it can be a bit... I don't know, if you look at it from like a different perspective, like... A bit just unsettling, like what is going on? Everything, just life, or everything is just being jammed into this little device and constantly mm. looking at it. Hmm. So it kind of holds a, a yeah, a kind of monopoly over people's thoughts. And I, I guess this, the the ending sequence where he kind of es- escapes into into nature is this a kind of you know a. a I don't know, like a proposition to the, the, the watcher to see that there, there, there is escape from technology in the natural world? or Yeah, I think the original like thought behind it was more about like the quality of the stuff that we see on the internet and how much like useless content there is. And then the that ending sequence, it's... Uh, more about being, if you're aware when you're getting that fatigue of just like looking at anything that you're being mm. thrown at, just to like stop and give yourself mm. some time to just look out the window, go for a walk and get some like stimulus that is not through pixels and yeah, a screen. There, there, there was kind of themes of kind of the phones and things banging drums and it kind of created a kind of very audible kind of effect of like what technology was doing and that was really helped by the music there was a wonderful job done there to kind of bring the 
the the kind of atmosphere. Yeah, that was. Uh, I was lucky to be able to work with uh, our friend Tim, that he did a yeah amazing job with the with the soundtrack and the sound design for it. Kind of tying into that theme of noise, of course, which is part of the the title of the film. Um, I I personally kind of looked at it and kind of re- was reminded of some of the research I've been doing recently into to soundscapes. This idea of the world that is created around us by sound and uh, this the, the whole idea of kind of reducing noise. Do you think we could be entering a new kind of soundscape age created by technology? Has has the steam kind of been replaced by the Nokia ringtone and you know the email alert? Yeah, probably. I would hope that, yeah, noise reduction with more like electric engines and all these things getting, yeah, becoming more popular would, uh, yeah, reduce noise in cities and, but yeah, I guess all these notifications and maybe even being constantly surrounded by this electronic equipment on all the time, like little uh, computer fans constantly spinning um as a more kind of general thing um how did you become interested in animation what drew you to it i guess i've always been interested and i just i remember all my school books all the corners i used them for to do like little flip book animations with a stickman mm-hmm. skateboarding and i had i hadn't really clicked on animation until I applied for UWE and the, they suggested looking into the animation course and yeah I'm really happy that they did that because it was uh, quite a mind opening just looking at the creative world that I had always been doing graphic design and illustration and just I hadn't thought about becoming an animator and working professionally on animations which has been very enjoyable so far and really liking it is is there a particular field in the industry that you'd like to go into for animation are you kind of interested in games or more into um film animation or more short form stuff like this particular piece i would love to go into uh, film eventually work my way into more of the story part of the production so so the narrative aspect of animation kind of uh, from what i've heard grab you yeah that's it mm-hmm. and then i also would like to be able to still do just experimental things just see i like to i don't know every once in a while just um, play around with the software and see what i can do in a day worth of work and just put something together really quick so, so do you have any particular inspirations in the animation field yourself? I'm pretty bad with these things, remembering names, but uh, I would say yes. <laughs> 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 but from the top of my head... Mm, Sorry to put you on the spot here. I have no idea, actually, no. I don't... <laughs> I can't think of any, like, names that come to mind. Well, if not names, then what about you're welcome to say kind of more general stuff. Was there a particular film that you particularly appreciated the animation on, or yeah, or a particular studio? I mean, I like all things when like comedy in animation, and 
mm. obviously the the Simpsons and yeah South Park and and then just when something is someone is able to tell a good story the right way it's just always admirable and mm. uh, yeah in any form even if it's uh, like a feature film or a short film if it's a I don't know a good story and just feels interesting and it's told the right way definitely and i feel like a, a little bit of that kind of appreciation for humor in animation definitely comes through in noise um if it's just like the the kind of the action section in the middle um or if, uh, or even the end where he kind of breaks the fourth wall and kind of hits the camera down yeah definitely an element of that kind of appreciation of comedy and animation comes through so do you have any advice for you you've told us a little bit about how you got into animation what knowing what you know now what do you think would be your general advice for young people who wanted to get into it do it i guess and send <laughs> yeah. thousands of emails and don't waste any opportunity or chance that you're given because they're uh, scarce mm. <laughs> in the words of the immortal shia LaBeouf, <laughs> do it <laughs> from what you've just been telling these stories seem to be kind of very much at the the heart of your philosophy with animation and creating kind of engaging stories um but there's also definitely a kind of element of kind of social commentary within the, this piece um and i guess i was uh, as, uh, perhaps getting into kind of deep questions now is like uh, what do you think is, is does animation have a responsibility to kind of maybe reflect or contrite uh, critique the 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 social space in which it exists or was created in or or do you think um it it should always be story first and everything else second i think we find stories interesting because they give us a new perspective on something maybe it's a completely new topic or something that we already know about that it's very familiar but if the narrative is able to just shift your pers- your perspective, even if it's by a tiny bit, and you look at something from a different angle that makes you aware of new things and uh, it adds to your reality, to the way that you look at things, I think that's mm. what uh, us, us, I don't know, when you're creating and especially film and animation that's what you should aim for because otherwise you're not really adding anything to the viewer you're just and it's like entertainment per se rather than actually bringing some value to the table uh do you think animation's got um do you think it's kind of got its own advantages and disadvantages to be able to do that? Mm, yeah, I think it's. Um, it seems to me that it's becoming more and more an accepted uh, medium to tell stories also for adults and not mm. so niche and as it might have been a few years ago. Or, But mm. it's still... Uh, yeah, way behind live action and just normal, yeah, storytelling in like films and series. Mm. And I think with this uh, 
with lockdowns and not being able to go to work, there was lots of talking on how like animation is the only industry that is able to carry on because everyone can work remotely. And in one way, it seems like a hopeful moment for animation, but in the other hand is, well, you also have to educate the viewer and not everyone is going to suddenly start watching cartoons. So, yeah, yeah. of course. It's a uh, yeah. It's um. It's a bit of a tricky situation there. Do you think the future of animation is definitely kind of heading in the way of three D, or do you think it's possibly going to carry on being a bit of a mix of both, as we've seen, or do you think there's going to be a bit of a culture gap? Because of course, Japan with anime has um, a kind of very strong two D animation culture. Um, that perhaps we don't necessarily have in the West as much, uh, with Disney going, you know, live action, u- uber hyper realistic three D uh, renderings, and literally creating new versions of their old classic two D animated films. Do you, do you think there's going to be some kind of shift there? Um, I really hope they stop <laughs> rebooting stuff. Likewise. Um... With uh, 3D and CG animation, it's a bit. It keeps going on to the uh, the uncanny valley, because even if you look at the, I don't know if the, the whole anim- the whole film is animated and it tries to be overly realistic, it still has a strange feel to it. And I hope the way that they go is more towards like the uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and even I don't know if it came out because it was supposed to come out this summer The that Spongebob uh, feature film I don't that's an interesting one I've heard about it but I don't know anything about it as coming out now but it just like the style because it's CG but mm. they were doing it in a more the movements were a more more closer to 2D and in like very textured and I don't know it was a really interesting approach that I I was looking forward to see I but then I haven't yeah kept up and and definitely I I find it really interesting because I feel like obviously I can't comment on the animation itself but from a musician's perspective I see the the live action remakes of many of the the new pieces I wonder if tonally trying to recreate you know, soundtracks that were created for a stylized animation don't work when you try and translate them into a live action hyper realistic setting necessarily. Because I think, and I think a lot of um, fellow music critics have said that whilst there, there are some great bits about the soundtracks to the new uh, remakes, a lot of the songs just don't hit the same mark. Um, as they did in the original animation. And I wonder if it's because of that tone shift, this kind of movement into realism where there wasn't before. Do you think they're slightly missing one of the biggest advantages of animation, the the idea of stylization, of abstraction from reality? Yeah, I think um, when you choose to do tell a story with animation, there should be something that you add that can only be achieved through animation so you have that on your side and if it's yeah I think with playing with the the way that things look 
it's mm. the the easiest or the way that makes the most sense like that uh, lion king which i enjoyed the new one I, like because it's it's disney they know how to make things so you yeah, watch so, the whole thing they yeah <laughs> but Although the removal of head from the song list is absolutely criminal and i will not forgive them for it because it's one of the best disney villain songs ever written <laughs> uh, yeah uh, the um... Yeah, there were a few lines that were like my fi- my favorite from childhood that they removed and yeah. <laughs> so it's again, I think they should. There's enough new stories that can be told, and I would think that these studios, these that have the best creatives and artists in the world, would allow them some experience experimental freedom or at least a tiny bit just try and develop something new um yeah do you think we could do with maybe new stories for the, to to kind of match the new technologies that we're getting with animation um do, do you think we're maybe missing some of the div- diversity of kind of tone in modern animation yeah at least on the stuff that gets um mainstream sort of publicity that's the killer is the fact that it needs to breach into the mainstream and not be you know stuck in in the kind of you know the 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 quiet corners of the internet yeah because there's lots of uh like independent filmmakers and creators trying obviously to push those boundaries and uh create new narratives and different styles and oh, there's yeah lots of like surreal just weird animation that i love finding those things but yeah i guess it's also like a very niche um, market that at the end of the day these big features that we're talking about their products so they need to sell and it's all also a big uh, marketplace so there's i think a very same with music like what is what sells and then what the musicians and their people like to make. It's sometimes two different worlds. Let's um, end up the interview with a few kind of um, kind of quick fire questions. So fundamentally, what do you hope young people in particular will take away from your film? I think if it makes someone just be a bit aware of if they're starting to feel that noise creeping in their mm. minds that they realize and give themselves some time off the screens to recharge and yeah look at the sky the trees i think that's a message that a lot of people could could do with right now especially kind of as isolating as lockdown can be not only socially but also mentally very easy to kind of get locked in your own head and the headspace that you get by interacting with the internet and things yeah um, or indeed doing work and just getting kind of focused down on one thing and being bombarded by kind of feelings about one particular topic and then kind of getting a bit of perspective and going outside and going, ah, crikey, the world, it's lovely and quiet, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. people are going to lockdown. So do you have any plans in the work at the minute? Do you have uh, kind of films on the go or projects that you're hoping to look into? Well, I'm currently trying to make freelancing work and I'm lucky to be working with Calling the Shots in another 
little commission for BBC. I hope, yeah, it seems like everything is a bit stuck at the moment, but I hope, yeah, opportunities will arise and yeah, I guess these Mm. uh, early stages are the hardest and yeah, just slowly making my way into the industry and yeah, hopefully be able to work on my own projects too, which is the most fun. Finally then, where can people find out more about you and find some more of your work? Um, on my website, davisdesigns.com and on my Instagram, that is uh, at davis. And yeah, one uh, on my website, I've got pretty much all the films I've worked on and Instagram is a bit more like my comics that I like to make and a bit more just uh, quick little random stuff. Um, Well, thank you very much for coming on today, David. Oh, thank you for having me. My pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. Lovely talking to you. Um, As listeners may know, my name is Chris Hill. You can find some of my articles on voice. I tend to talk about music and gaming and quite frequently the kind of intersection of the two. And uh, I hope all our listeners have a great day. And I will see you in the next one. All right, bye. Today's episode was made possible by Voice Magazine, an online platform for young people interested in art and culture. You can read Voice over at voicemag.uk and find it on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook as VoiceMagUK. The Voice contributors are also on Instagram over at voice.extra. If you are looking for another podcast to listen to, the contributors release the Voice Extra podcast every Saturday, where they talk about the pieces they've produced and the culture they've been enjoying. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us to make more with a donation of any amount at voicemag.uk forward slash donate. Thanks to Kevin McLeod for the use of the track Thief in the Night. You can find more of his work in computech.com. Tom Innes was the executive producer.